Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it on the screen for you. And you can follow along there. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 11. It begins with the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Uh, now, if you're new to church, let me just really quickly say that the Pharisees were highly respected religious leaders. They weren't bad people necessarily. They just got fixated on, on the Ten Commandments that they turned into 600 commandments. And they got so focused on the law that they just completely missed grace. When Jesus came on the scene, the Messiah in the flesh, God incarnate, they just missed him. They, they had an idea of what the Messiah would look like, and it wasn't this homeless servant. And so they missed him. So there's this contrast in, in the Pharisees, and, and there's obviously some friction as, as well there between the Pharisees and Jesus all throughout the Gospels. But the Pharisees, in verse 11, came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now I want you to watch and look how bright the disciples are. Verse 16, they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. See, in verse 15, Jesus says, I want you to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And immediately, immediately the disciples thought, well, he's talking about bread. We don't have any bread. And because we don't have any bread, he's talking about when we get to the other shore, we're going to have to go buy some bread. And we don't need to get bread from the Pharisees because apparently there is something that's incorrect about the yeast they use. And he's going, no, that's, I'm not talking about bread. But it's amazing to me how many times in the Gospels the disciples just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. There's so many parentheticals that, that will say, and the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying at this time or what Jesus was doing at this time. They're walking with him. They're talking with him. They're living with him, and, and they can't quite get him. That gives me some comfort that sometimes I don't understand what Jesus is up to, and these men didn't understand it either. Let's keep going. Verse 17, aware of their discussion, they're talking about bread. Jesus asks them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Don't you remember when when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? When I broke the loaves, how many basketfuls of pieces did you have left over? Do you remember the pieces? God bless you. You may be seated. We opened this two-week series last week saying that God has a definitive calling for your life. 
He has a definitive purpose for your life. He has a definitive plan for your life. Before you formed in the womb, he knew you. Before you were born, he set you apart. Every day has been ordained for you and written in his book before one single day came to be. But there's sometimes where we have this purpose, we have this plan, we have this calling, and we're below expectations because we don't have everything we need to fulfill the calling. We don't have everything that we need to get to the plan. We might just have a piece or two. We don't have everything that we need. And my main reaction to the text when I read Mark 8, 11 through 21 is really one of disbelief. The disciples could have seen what they saw and still not completely get it. I mean, they're sitting in the boat with the one who just performed two massive miracles, both involving food. And all they're worried about is lunch. Well, what, 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 you're supposed to get the bread. Uh, not me, Peter. That was your job. Uh, that was, uh, hey, it was James. James was going to get the bread. And they're just talking about this bread. And they're worried about lunch. And here's Jesus going, uh, hello. Remember the 5,000 thing and the 4,000 thing? They just, they didn't get it. They're sitting in a boat with the bread of life. And all they're concerned about is lunch. Jesus is teaching an incredible lesson to the disciples. And he's trying to take them to the next level of their awareness and their understanding of who he is and what he has come to do. And as he does it, he's using this analogy involving yeast. And he says, he says to them that, that, that I want you to compare the yeast, which is the self-righteousness of these Pharisees, to the yeast and bread. And he said, if you get a little self-righteous, it can just begin to spread in every area of your life, much like yeast would. But they didn't get that. They just thought he was talking about bread. All the disciples hear his bread, so they immediately start to argue. And, I, you know, I can't, I can't discredit the disciples. I can't get that upset with them because, you know what, we do. We do the same thing. We look at things, and, and we just don't completely get it. And to be fair, they didn't know they were going to be in the Bible. You ever thought about that? <laughs> like, they weren't in the boat going, hey, we better be on our best behavior. They're going to be talking about us at Christian Life Austin in 2016, right? They... The people in the Bible didn't know they were going to be in the Bible. Does that make sense? You just kind of roll with it, right? They didn't really understand everything that was going on. We see things a little differently because we're looking back. You ever think about that? That it's easier to look back and see things, but when you're going through something, it's really tough to see what's going on. They're in the boat. They don't quite understand it, but we have a perspective that's different than others. We, hindsight's twenty twenty. You hear that all the time. It means that we have clarity. We have focus. We can see something they couldn't see sitting in the boat. Sometimes when you're going through something, you don't understand why it's happening or what's going on. But looking back on that, years later, you go, oh, and the light bulb goes off for you. That's why it's so easy to give advice to a child. When you were a child, you weren't good at it. <laughs> I wasn't either because I'd never done it before. And so I'm a child, but now that I have a child, I can give them all kinds of advice, can't I? Because I have the big picture. I see the big picture. I know the mistakes I've made. I'm able to shepherd them and lead them in a way that I couldn't if I was a kid just like they were. The disciples were inside the frame. And it's impossible to see the big picture when you're inside the frame. It's easy for you and I to see what they should have seen when you're not going through what they're going through. All they were worried about is bread. Well, what are we going to eat for lunch, guys? Well, that, that's all they were worried about. And a lot of times in our lives, we don't recognize the big picture because we experience life in pieces. There are two groups contrasted in the scriptures, and Jesus' direction here is an indication of the kind of team he is choosing. And I love this. This tells me a lot about God in and of itself. 
that when God says, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to the world, and 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. That's the purpose. That's his plan. That's his calling. And he didn't come with the pre-assembled team. I love that, that God didn't send him with 12 men to help him. But he says, no, I'm going to give you peace by peace by peace by peace, and you're going to assemble this team, and it's all going to come together when you get there. That I have a purpose for you, I have a calling for you, I have a plan for your life, but all these pieces are going to come when you get there. And even the pieces that he chose, the men that he would choose, it's not the people that I would choose. Because I think if I have a mission that's this important, I would want to choose the Pharisees. I mean, they're the religious leaders. They're respected. You know, they've got their act together. And you just, I mean, even their name Pharisee means set apart or separate ones. They were separate from all the other people. In fact, they separated themselves from God. They got so focused on the law and so focused on the rules and so focused on the regulations that they missed the Messiah. They didn't see the big picture. They were inside the frame. They weren't looking for what we see as the Messiah. We read the scriptures. We go, well, yeah, that was the son of God. They didn't see it because they're inside the frame. They say it became so focused, so focused on the individual laws and requirements and rules. They missed the big picture. The Bible says they tried to qualify Jesus, which blows my mind. The audacity that the creature would try to qualify the creator. That blows my mind that, that these men would go, like, who in the world has the, the audacity or the authority to say that you, you're not worthy of being a Christian? Or if you don't get this in order and that in order, then you, you're not worthy to be a part of our church. And that's kind of how these men used to think. So Jesus moves away from all that and he moves forward with his mission and he begins to use broken people and weak people and below expectations people. And that's the team that he assembles to accomplish the mission. What I found is a lot of us rush to find what's missing and we miss what's possible. Let me say that again. A lot of us rush to find what's missing. We've got a purpose, we've got a plan, we've got a calling. This is what God set out for me to do. And we, we try to find what, what am I missing. And we rush to find what's missing and we often miss what's possible. It's possible that you become so familiar with your own weaknesses and my own weaknesses that you can no longer see your potential. In many ways, you see what you choose to see. In spring break of 1997, I was a... a Sophomore in high school, and uh, as I'm at, it, it, we're, we're, uh, I went on my first ski trip. I've told you a story from the ski trip. I'm not telling you that one again. But we went, we went on a ski trip, and, uh, and our youth pastor at the time, he had a friend that he said, I want you to come. He was a pastor friend. I want you to come, and I want you to be our ski trip pastor. And so he'd ski with us during the day, the whole week, and then at night, uh, he would preach to us. So we kind of got a little bit of Jesus at night, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And the guy's name was, uh, 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 you may have never heard of him, his name is Matt Chandler. And Matt Chandler, you actually may have heard of him. He is the lead pastor at uh, the Village Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex area. It's one of the biggest churches in the world. He's also the president of the Acts 29 network. But at that time, he was a punk college kid from Abilene, Texas. And he and I just kind of hit it off, and we skied together most of the days. And actually, we wrestled one day, which was fun. He whooped me, and, and uh, we had a wonderful time. But I remember on the way home... We were on a charter bus, and I was sitting uh, in a window seat, and there was nobody sitting next to me. We're about halfway home, and Matt comes, and he sits right next to me. And uh, again, he's, just, he's a Hardin Simmons student at the time, but he comes to sit next to me, and uh, he says to me, Reed, you're going to go into ministry. And he was the first person that ever spoke that over my life. He, he said, you're going to go into ministry. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to be a sports center anchor 
And he says, no, you're going to go into the ministry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Just, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to be a sports center anchor. And he says, I see a lot of me in you when I was your age, which is a huge compliment. Now, I didn't mean anything at the time, but um, he was the first person to ever speak that over my life. He saw something in me that I didn't see in me. I saw what was missing. I saw that I didn't know enough of the word. I saw that I didn't even have a really good relationship with Jesus. It was lukewarm, if I'm honest. I saw that I had no business shepherding people. I saw what was missing, and he saw the potential. Sometimes you see what you want to see. You, 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 you see what you choose to see oftentimes. All the disciples could see there's no bread. That's all they could see. But they missed the one who was the bread of life. And it happens all of the time. It happened when they told the Beatles that they had no future being a band. It happened when they told Walt Disney that he lacked imagination and creativity. It happens all the time. So you can't trust anybody. You can't trust just anybody to be your talent evaluator. Let me say it another way. You can't even trust yourself to be your own talent scout because so many times you're so fixated on your troubles that you miss your talents. Well, where's my bread? Well, where's my fill in the blank? And you're so focused on the weaknesses in your life that you can't see the potential that God has for you right in front of you. In 2009, there was a basketball player who wanted to play in the NBA, and he was a college player, and he had a shot at the pros. And I found an article online. It was his, it was his draft scouting portfolio. And a former NBA coach said, here are the perceived weaknesses of this potential player. I love that phrase, per- perceived weaknesses. And I, I recorded them all in my notes here. This is what he, this coach says of this young man. Not a true point guard, out of control at times, questionable shot selection, questionable ability to defend the position at the next level, no lateral quickness, no versatility to defend multiple positions, limited upside, He's a backup, or best case scenario, fringe starter. The college system makes him difficult to evaluate. He went to a small school, so they didn't know if he could make it in the big leagues. Average athleticism, average size, average wingspan, frail frame, relies too heavily on the outside shot. But you know, the NBA's reigning MVP, Steph Curry, is doing all right in the NBA. Aren't we glad that the scouting report is not the final result on our life? Aren't we glad of that? Amen. And all of that might be true. All of that could have been true in 2009. But again, today we see what they couldn't see back in 2009. Today we can see what they couldn't see in Mark 8, 11 through 21. We see things. Listen to what the GM of the Warriors said about Steph. He said, what people who don't like, about, uh, who don't like him didn't see is that he's a tremendous worker and cares about the game. And if you look back at, the, at his arc of his career, he's gotten better every single year because he's a hard worker and he tries to improve his game every time he plays. Jesus multiplied the loaves and he went home with basketfuls of broken pieces because he saw the potential in a little boy's lunch. And I love that. He fed 5,000. And, and it was actually more than that. It was not, they say 5,000 because there were 5,000 men. They didn't count women and children in that society. They didn't even count them. I love that. They didn't count women and children. They didn't count children. They didn't count children. And yet it was a little child's lunch that was a seed that God would bless and, and, and it would be the blessing for everybody that was in attendance. Somebody that God, God says, I see the potential in the little places. I see the potential in the overlooked people. I see the potential 
I see the potential in the field when David and his brothers, and we're going to line up all of his brothers, and one of them is going to be fit for a crown to be the new king. And David's own father didn't see the potential in his own son. David's own dad says, no, no, it's just he's just a boy. He's in the field. And Samuel said, there's someone missing. God, God is going to anoint one to be king. And, and God uses the boy. He chooses the little boy. He chooses this youngest one to be king. God sees the potential in the little things, in the least likely, in the below expectations people. God sees the potential in a fisherman. God sees the potential in a tax collector. And he takes these 12 uh, people that, that, that were below expectations and they change the world. They change the world. But the pieces don't look like the picture. So what happens is we get stuck on one area of our life. We get stuck on one piece of our life and, and it, we get fixated on that. Some of you are knocking it out of the park in 15 categories of your life, but you get so frustrated because of your C minus in this one area. And all you can see is the C. That's all that you can see. It's kind of like Paul that we talked about last week. I mean, we're talking about an incredible church planner. Probably nobody's ever done it better. He's a great writer. Maybe the, arguably the greatest writer of scripture ever. He's a great evangelist, but he was so concerned about that C minus in, in speaking, in communication. And it, he, he was fixated on it because he talked about it a lot in his letters. I bought something for, for my youngest son, Jack. Jack, um, he, he loves Frozen. He's in kindergarten this year and he loves Frozen. That's his favorite movie. We have watched it 375 times. I wish I was exaggerating. Uh, but I bought him, I bought him a lunchbox. Uh, he just, I mean, anything frozen. We literally can be in the grocery store and it doesn't, it, and, and Frozen is, is primarily leaned towards girls. It's kind of a, I mean, it, it's, the lead characters are two girls and so a lot of girls like the movie. So a lot of the toys look kind of girly, but it doesn't matter to Jack if he said, Frozen! Like he just, he just, he freak, freaks out. So excited. So I saw this and it said there's a toy included, which was really cool. And so I thought, well, that's cool. It's got a little toy included. I looked at the picture on the lunchbox. I thought he might could take that to school. Maybe, I don't know. He's in kindergarten this year. And so I thought maybe you could take that to school, but I saw the picture and I thought it might be fun for him to, we could play with this, po- this toy together. And, and so it, it had some, some plastic tape here and, and uh, let's see here, look at the toy and see what toy we get to. I'm a little bit confused. I mean, it said there was a toy. Well, I'm going to take this back to Target. I think I've got a broke toy. There's something that, that, that's not what I thought I was going to get. What happens when this doesn't look like this? What happens when the pieces don't look like the picture? What happens when the process doesn't look like the promise? What happens? I didn't pay 10 bucks for this. That's not what I pictured. But maybe it's in pieces on purpose. Maybe. Abraham, why don't you come out of your tent? I want you to count the stars in the sky if you can. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve. As numerous as the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be. 
God gives them the picture right up front. Hey, Abe, all the descendants, they're yours. The big picture, I'm going to have all these descendants. And then he goes, then, and then he goes, here you go. And you know Abe's going, what do I do with this? <laughs> he just got a piece. It was years and years, and actually decades later that the picture would come more into focus when he would have his first offspring. Not many, 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 many descendants, not as numerous as the stars in the sky, which we know is true today. He couldn't even get one descendant. He just got this piece. Well, what am I supposed to do with this? And sometimes we get the piece and we're, we're looking and we don't see the picture because all we see is the piece and we're really frustrated and confused. Why? I, I, what do I do with this? What do I do when this doesn't look like this? What do I do when the process doesn't look like the promise? This is what parenting is like. <laughs> this is what you want. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to raise a world changer. I'm going to raise a world changer. Change a diaper. Right? And I'm trying to get it into focus for you that sometimes you, 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 you have this picture, but life comes to us in pieces. And sometimes the pieces don't make sense. If I look at these individually, that doesn't even look like anything. <laughs> I can't make out anything. I don't know if that's a character or the background. I don't know. Touch somebody and say, it's coming in pieces. It's coming in pieces. God's going to give you everything you need, but oftentimes it comes in pieces. This isn't broken. It's not broken. It looks broken, but it's broken in a way that I can put the pieces together and build something with it. Sometimes you can't see it while you're in it. You can only see it looking back. I see now that Matt Chandler was right. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't know that. I didn't know that 20 years ago when he told me that. He saw something in me and I just saw a bunch of missing pieces. And now I can see how God has used that in my life. You can look at somebody else and you can say, well, I understand why they're successful because they have this and this and this and this. But that's not how it came together for them. They were handed a bunch of pieces and some of those pieces were really painful. And they were like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I mean, what do I do with this? I can either let this be a stumbling block or I can use this as a building block. And I can use this to push myself and propel myself forward. When uh, a lot of you know my story, but I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of, of the story. When I was three years old, my family moved to Snyder, Texas, which is up by Lubbock, Midland, Abilene, in West Texas. And my father uh, was tasked with being the president of a bank branch for this bank that's called America State Bank. I don't even think it's in existence anymore. It was bought out by Prosperity years ago. But uh, he was going to be the president of a bank. So we moved to Snyder. Uh, we plugged into their school systems. Again, Snyder was my home. I remember, that's all I remember because I was three when we moved there. And when your dad is the president of a bank, you are banking, okay? Figuratively and literally. We, 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 we did well financially. My dad uh, and mom, we built a beautiful four-bedroom house and we had brand new cars. My sisters both got brand new cars when they turned 16. My dad drove a nice car. My mom drove a Cadillac. We, my dad would go on business trips. I remember he would bring home toys every single time. Woohoo! Right? Every, everything was great. We were riding the gravy train. And then in the late 80s, uh, all of the banks started to struggle, uh, including American State Bank. And, and so the CEO of the company, even though my dad's branch was one of the few, if not the only uh, profitable bank 
in their, in their branches, um, the CEO decided to fire all of the presidents and vice presidents of the company. And so my dad, without any warning, lost his job. They were trying to cut back, and obviously salary was a big one, and those were the highest paid employees. So my dad, without any warning, lost his job. Went to work one day, came home unemployed. And so instead of scaling back our lifestyle, which was very luxurious, my father went deep and deep into debt. And he borrowed from family and from friends and from creditors. And my mother went back to school teaching, but uh, where are my school teachers? Yeah, we don't make a lot, Pat. All right, we don't. So, so we're, we're trying, but... And then my dad, he opened up a, a, a fast food restaurant called Taco John, similar to Taco Bell. Uh, they're really prevalent in the north. And uh, that was well, we did well with that, but that made more debt because he opened a business, so we had accumulated now more debt, so we're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And the restaurant did well, but we're selling 99-cent burritos, so it's pretty tough to make a dent in the debt when you're selling 99-cent tacos and burritos. And so my dad did that for a few years, and then in 1992, my dad, unbeknownst to the family, was suffering from depression, and my father, in October of, of that year, because of pride, committed suicide. Uh, my father, Pastor Rex's brother, um, committed suicide. And I remember being very angry at God, being very upset at God. I remember uh, going in the front yard and just screaming. Again, I'm 12 at the time, and I didn't quite understand everything. I, mean, I knew it was a selfish decision on my father's part, but I just I wondered why God couldn't jam the gun. <laughs> and I just remember screaming at God, just literally f- screaming at God. And I wrote a, a poem called Why God Why. I was really frustrated with him, and it took a while for me to heal and actually get back into church. Um, my mother, who was school teaching at the time, she said, Reed, if you want to get the luxuries of life, all the toys that your father used to buy you, which I did, she said, you need to get a job. I'm 12, right? <laughs> like, nobody's hiring 12-year-olds. So I'm like, uh, well, I don't want to mow lawns because I don't like manual labor, and so um, <laughs> maybe... Maybe I'll do, I'll do magic. I've always enjoyed magic, and maybe I can do some magic shows. So I went under the moniker Magic Johnson. Yeah. And, uh, and did magic shows. I've actually done magic shows here. I did one for VBS last year, and I don't do it much anymore. But started doing magic shows. And, and what's funny is I, I'm, at 12 years old, I'm getting in front of crowds, crowds that were my age and even older. And, and I'm doing the – and what's, what's funny is the number one fear in America. Do you know what it is? Public speaking. Isn't that crazy? Number two is death. Number one is public speaking. Number two is death. At a funeral, they would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. That's messed up. But it was never a fear for me. It really wasn't because at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I'm in front of crowds. I'm public speaking. At 17 years old, I applied for uh, not flipping burgers or, or, or delivering newspapers, which is a fine job for a 17-year-old, but I, I, I decided I wanted to work in the radio station. So I applied to be a disc jockey, and I started working in radio, and, and what's funny about radio, it's just a job. I mean, it's just like sacking groceries, but you just have a, again, no manual labor. I get to sit and talk. And uh, by the way, side note, when you get into radio, they teach you, at least my, my boss did, because time is money, they teach you to talk fast. And so I know that I have people come to me like, Reed, you talk fast. I was trained to talk this way. Now, I can tell you to breathe slow. Everybody breathe slow. Breathe real slow right now. Ready? Go. So you can do it, but you have to think about it, right? So I can talk slow, but I have to think about it, 
And that's why tonight, for your pleasure, I have written on the page of every one of my notes, talk slow, talk slow, talk slow, talk slow. Because I don't naturally talk slow. Every week I preach, someone comes to me and says, you talk really fast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm doing radio. And what's funny about this radio is um, it's just a job. Like it meant nothing to me uh, in the sense that it's just a job. But there's a celebrity status with radio because people feel like they get to know you and you become their friend and you get to hang out with them every day. And so I'd be in restaurants and people would come ask for my autograph as a 17-year-old. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's so silly. It's so weird. People would give me graduation presents. I didn't even know when I graduated. Like, hey, we wanted to get you something. We heard you were graduating. <laughs> just DJ. It's just, that's funny to me. So I started doing radio, and uh, in the radio station, they gave me a shift that they wanted to switch the format, and they wanted to go to Christian programming. And so I started doing a Christian radio show, and that was my first glimpse into ministry and started seeing people's lives being changed by ministry. And then in 2003, a buddy of mine named Cody Nichols, who used to go to Christian Life Austin when they lived in Austin, but Cody and I began this radio show called Red Letter Rock 20, and it was a Christian rock countdown show, and, and we started having all the big-name artists on our show, and, and God blessed that, and we were on 73 stations all over North America and New Zealand, and I mean, we're, we're recording this show in, a, in, a, in an apartment in Austin, Texas, and it's being broadcast all over the globe, and, and we're seeing people come to faith. We saw over 500 people come to faith, and it was incredible to see God use that, and we won some American Christian Music Awards, and it was just a great, great thing, but here's what I'm saying all this to say this. If my dad were still alive today and I'd give anything to have him back, I think I'd be selling tacos. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I just think I'd be, I'd be going into the family business. You see that a lot, fathers. And then their sons, they just kind of take over dad's business. I think that's what I'd be doing. He would be training me up. And I believe that because my best friend, he's a pizza man and his dad was a pizza man and he's just becoming a pizza man. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just, I think I'd be following in his footsteps. And when I was handed this piece at 12 years old, I didn't know what to do with this. I just screamed, why? And I'm yelling at heaven saying, why, why, why? I don't understand what this piece means. And then through that, because my dad's not here and can't provide me with the toys that I wanted as a 12-year-old, I got a job. And it got me comfortable speaking in front of public crowds. And then it got me comfortable enough that I could get on a radio and I could speak to an audience greater than any that I could ever speak to at any church. And then that got me into ministry. And I honestly believe, with every fiber of my being, that had my dad not died, I wouldn't be speaking to you tonight. So I can see the big picture. I can see God moving. I can see that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I can see that. I can see he had a purpose for my life. He has a plan for my life. And I didn't understand all those pieces. I didn't know that the magic would lead to the radio, would lead to the ministry, would lead to me here tonight. I didn't understand all that. But I get it now. God is painting on a canvas way bigger than I can see. And I get these little pieces here and there. And now, 24 years removed from my father's death, I go, oh, that's why. I get it. The picture is coming into focus. I understand now some of the pieces that didn't make sense along the way. Sometimes you're in the middle of a piece and you don't understand what this is. But in all things, God is putting those things together for your good and for his glory. That's how he works.
The question is, can you trust moving forward and what you'll be able to see looking back? I even look at my wife. My wife, like in ministry, that, that she was another huge blessing in my life. Had my dad not died, I, don't, I think I would just have made some different choices. My dad enjoyed drinking alcohol, and I think I would have probably enjoyed drinking alcohol. And had I enjoyed drinking alcohol, I know for a fact her mother would not let me date her. I know that because she told me that. <laughs> if I ever catch you drinking a beer. And I got to date her. And the moment I met her, I said, you know, this woman is different than any woman that I've ever met. And she challenged me in a way spiritually that no woman had ever challenged me before. And she sharpened me as iron sharps and iron. She sharpens me more. She's been the, the greatest catalyst to my spiritual growth than anything else in all of life. But again, I don't think any of that would have happened had that first piece of the puzzle not been handed to me at the age of 12. Randy, if you'll join me. Um, I'm actually going to get a couple of people to help me. Octavius, would you come up here? Um, Dennis, Chris, come help me. <clears throat> All right. So you get these pieces, and you don't really know what to do with these. But here, here's, here's what happens. Okay. All right. Why don't you come over here? Okay. Actually, let's move it out here. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Okay, here's what happens. Here's what happens for all of us. Here's where we are. This, this is where I am. This is where you are. Okay, this is where you are. And this is where where I want to be. Okay, this is where we want to be. How many of you in the room could say, could testify and say, yeah, okay, there, there are things in my life that I haven't seen come to fruition, that I want to see come to fruition. There's, there's a plan and a design for my life that hadn't, hadn't hit yet. How many can testify and say, that's me? That's me. You better be raising your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I want to come to your class. You can teach me how to be perfect. And how to lie, okay? All right. This is what I want to be, okay? But this is where I am. And here's the problem. There's a, there's a gap. There's a, there's a gap. I can't quite get there. And we can get really frustrated in the gap. We can get really discouraged in the gap. We, 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 we want to quit in the gap. Oh, maybe I'll stop going to church. I don't know that it's doing me any good. I'm not getting any closer to where I want to be. Maybe I'll just, I'll just stop praying. Or I'll stop praying big prayers. Some of you pray prayers that, that don't even need divine intervention. You're praying things that God would answer, doesn't even have to answer because they're probably going to work out anyway. God, help Grandma get over her sore throat and help us have a safe trip to San Antonio. Those things are probably going to work out anyway. Let's just be honest. And so we stop praying big prayers. We stop praying that we need God's God to come through for us. And we stop praying. So we, we get frustrated in the gap. We get discouraged in the gap. But Chris, you're my favorite piece. You're the essential piece of this whole thing. I, I, love, I love you, bub. You're, 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 you're the best part of this whole thing. Okay? You're, you're, you're essential to progress. You're essential to faith. You're essential to, to encouragement. You're essential in this, in this equation. Okay, so we have, we have Dennis here. This is who we are. This is where we want to be. And if I stay in this gap very long, I can get discouraged. And I can want to give up. And I can get frustrated. And I get that. You can't stay in that gap too long. But praise God, there's another gap. Praise God, there's another gap. Because this isn't where I am and where I want to be, 
But this gap is where I am and where I used to be. Because I'm not who I used to be. I can see how God has changed me. He's molded me. He's shaped me. I can see the progress of where I've come. I can see how he's taken me. I can't give up now. I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to press on to reach the prize. I can't stop. I can't give up. I know I'm not there, but I praise God I'm not there. I praise God I'm not there. Look how far you've come. Don't give up yet. You don't see the picture. You're not at the picture, but look at the pieces. Look at the pieces. Look how far you've come. Come on. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I get thankful when I think about the gap. I do. When I think about all the ways that God's seen me through, brought me through, all the plans he's started, all the seeds he's parted, all the blessings he's showered upon my life, and it encourages me. No, I'm not where I want to be, but at least I'm not where I used to be. Thank you, God, for the progress. Thank you. I see my faith is paying dividends. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I can't stop now. I can't give up now. I can't get discouraged now. I've got to keep pressing on. Can you trust moving forward? In what you can only see looking back. I'm in this boat. I don't have any bread. I don't have any bread. But you know what? The last time this happened, he made bread. And the time before that, he took care of us. And the time before that, he gave us provision. So even I can't see all the pieces, I'm going to trust him. Can you trust him tonight? Can you continue on? Some of you want to give up. Some of you are where you're at. And you know you're not where you want to be. But you can't give up now because you're not where you used to be. You've come a long way. Keep pressing on toward the prize that's marked out for you. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise just to know the Savior. and that concludes today's message please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal thank you for listening